Havlicek stole the pod, and the Celtics stole the four seed right out from under the Indiana Pacers before the NBA season ended, and here they are, a matchup that we've been anticipating for weeks, maybe a month now. It's going to start today when this podcast drops. It's Sunday, Celtics Pacers, 1 o'clock, and with me today, not Alex Kungu, it's Tony East who covers the Indiana Pacers for the West Indianapolis Community News writes for a couple other basketball sites and hosts a Locked On Pacers podcast. So he's used to talking into a mic about the <laughs> Indiana Pacers. Hello, Tony. Did I read, Man, your, I, did I read I think your Twitter is, bio right? <laughs> there's too much in it. It's just, it's too, you know, it's, it's too busy. This is my ninth pod of the week. The playoffs are a busy time. The people are dying to know more about the Pacers, the <laughs> NBA finals threat. Can I, can I cover Alex? Is that even possible? Yeah, you can try. I mean, he's got a good hook shot, but <laughs> the dude, the dude can pod. Yeah, he's he's great. So he he's been hosting here with me ever since Chris left. Chris left us for Nesson, and <sighs> we're into playoff mode. You'll hear from Alex again tomorrow or today after the game, probably on Monday. We'll be potting like crazy over here. But first, let's learn about the Pacers and their coach Nate McMillan, who I feel has gone under the radar a little bit among the you know best rated coaches in the NBA. How have you felt about his year? What are some of your favorite quotes that he's thrown around? <laughs> Nate's a very not like anti fun because that's wrong. <laughs> Nate lets his Nate lets his guys have fun. You know, he's a very respect the game, be on time, you know, like closer to pop than to Kerr level of guy. And a lot of guys like that style and like playing for him and buy into that. And they have Vic who is usually the shining light of the team that makes it all fun and everybody has a good time and that they work really well together. But Nate himself has been a very, like you said, I think an underappreciated regular season coach for a long time now. Um, He's close to, I think a 60 win percentage as a regular season coach. His playoff resume is not great. Although the teams he loses to always seem to have like Steve Nash or Tim Duncan or LeBron, you know, in the the first round, He, he hasn't won many series in the actual playoffs, but he does go underappreciated as a coach. Uh, and this team all respects him and buys into, you know, his coaching style. And it clearly works to a pretty good extent. So uh, I think he can get them rallied up for this series. And I think it's amazing that they're, despite losing Victor Oladipo and the drop off that they had after that little, you know, run that they went on after he went out, that they still ended up with the five seed. I think that says so much about yeah. how good they were before they lost him. Yeah, they were they were a fifty seven win pace team when he was playing. Can you believe that? That's a that's two seed in the East level. That's home court in the finals if you make it level. He was uh, they were killing everybody for a while, but he missed eleven games. Then came back was a little worse and probably shouldn't have been playing. If we're being honest, now that it's in retrospect in the rearview mirror, um, they were finding ways to win without him, and then they had to for a big stretch of time. Same record as last year, and Vic only played thirty six games. That's a testament to both guys improving and Nate McMillan being a good coach and helping them improve. So this team was so successful in those Paul George years, <laughs> almost an NBA finals team. They had that great seven round series with the heat. Everybody remembers that it's easier to forget Roy Hibbert, but, <laughs> but, 
But anyway, they they bounced back big time with this group, and I feel like they're the only team in the league that really leaned on one guy. And I know there's great role players there. I love Sabonis. But in terms of star power on this team, it was one guy, Victor Oladipo, who made that jump from bench player with the Thunder, you know, good prospect with the Magic to superstar in this league. And, you know, they've relatively sustained without it. I know the Celtics beat them in both of those games in the regular season, but they were going there possession for possession. How How is this team sustained without Oladipa? Yeah, the part of what makes them good is is they don't have a, a quote-unquote guy. Um, you know, they have to have someone step up and, and take Victor's shots because there's still a full game that has to be played. But, like, no one has a supremely high usage in the starting five now. The highest is Bojan at 22.4 for reference. That's basically what Tatum's is. Um, and Tatum's like, what, the third option for you guys? Yeah. So, so they, yeah, so they get the ball really spread out between, you know, Turner popping, Thad Young in the dunker spot, Collison creating for everybody, uh, and then Bojan and whoever happens to start at the two between uh, Wesley Matthews or when he's out, Tyreek Evans. Um, so they do a good job sharing the ball and, and having like a free flowing offense for the starting five. And uh, Wesley Matthews recently talked about how some that drew him to Indiana is Nate's good at, you know, if someone's on that night or, or some set is working, that's getting a guy free. He'll keep feeding that guy. And that's why they don't have a guy with a supremely high usage. That's filling up these roles without Victor off the bench. There is a lot of the reason they're able to fill up his spot because their depth has been a reason they can beat teams all year. Um, Sabonis and Tyreek Evans, uh, have some some masterful pick and roll chemistry, which is a good bailout to score a basket in the late shot clock. Sabonis can score on anybody as Celtics have seen all season long. Yeah, he's been he's amazing, fantastic against you guys. And then they get you know good D from from Corey Joseph, good spacing and shooting from McDermott. They just have guys who can do a little bit of everything. And when you have that, it's easy to just share the ball and and kind of make up for a contribution. Now, obviously, you can never replace Victor Oladipo, but you know they've done the best they can with what they have, and it's been working. So many questions here. Miles <laughs> Turner leads the NBA in block percentage, so he'll be a massive threat inside for them. Th- have you figured out the difference? You've been watching Bojan Bogdanovic. I thought the greatest mystery in this league. What's the difference between Marcus and Markeith Morris? It was tough to tell. <laughs> now it's Bojan and Bogdan. What's Bogdan? the difference between these two? <laughs> uh, that they actually are, have different native countries. I don't have Bogdans off the top of my head. Um, last year they were like, like it looked like Bogdan had become the better player, but Bojan went off this year. Like, like I don't want to do this on the Celtics pod, but I'll do it. Like comparable stats to Tatum this year out of mm. Bojan. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. obviously Tatum's got the higher peak. I'm not gonna question anything about any of that. But like right now, it's it's uh, it's closer than you think. But Bosnia he, and Serbia, there's the difference right there. <laughs> yeah, that's ignorant of me to not have that difference memorized. <laughs> right now. I'll take full responsibility for that one. Jared Weiss had a great piece today about his off-ball movement and how you know he just that was amazing. That court. whole piece, can we plug? Can we both plug that? That was amazing. Yeah, that was awesome, and he's a great guy. He used to be on this pod all the. He used to be Celtics blog writer. You got to plug that wow. as well. Celtics uh, blog has leapfrogged quite a few people into stardom of writing. Yeah, yeah. Kevin O'Connor, Jared Weiss, uh, Chris Grenham. Now we have to include in that group. Yeah. So. <laughs> But he's covering all the sports now. Mm-hmm. He was too busy for my pod because he was doing baseball the other night. Oh, jeez. Next, <laughs> next he'll be on the rink. <laughs> yeah, on. yeah. Anyway, um, what, what's next with this team? I mean, you know, you got Wes Matthews there. The point guard play is interesting. I mean, what's the point guard situation been like on this team this year? Yeah, they, you guys haven't seen the guard rotation. Tyreek missed one game. Darren Collison missed one game. Vic's been now, obviously. Uh, they start Collison alongside Matthews. Collison's there to 
you know, he can initiate some stuff off the dribble and knock down the three, led the league in three-point percentage last year, finished about 42% this year. Wes Matthews is a one-trick pony. He's got this one dribble right, jump behind the three-point line, hit the three thing going on every possession, but he's really tall, so he can post up and pass out of there. Uh, just a dimension that they, they didn't have. 62% of his shots were three, so he's a he's a chucker. And then Corey Joseph off the bench. I don't think he's hit a shot since like February. He's had <laughs> one of the longest slumps ever. Yeah, it was a I bit, feel his Pacers tenure, tenure in general has been a little underwhelming. <laughs> I like Corey Joseph a lot because of his D. You know, he's going to be crucial guard in Kyrie when, when that get matchup happens. And he'll, he'll put Terry Rozier in some sort of cage the same way he did with Trey Young in the last game of the season. But uh, his offense is, is very rough. Thankfully, his usage is the third lowest on the team, including everybody, including like the garbage time dudes. It's the third lowest to everybody. Uh, so he's not really a guy who shoots a lot, but it doesn't go in very often when he does shoot. So they, they get like a lot of skilled dudes at their guards, but they all have pretty large weaknesses. And when you're playing against Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown, <laughs> that it's kind of tough to mitigate weaknesses. So they're going to have to be doing uh, their A game against the Celtics. As we know, and we, we podcasted a couple of weeks ago, me and Alex were brainstorming worst case scenarios for this team. I think all things considered, the playoff path that they carved out looks pretty good. Yeah, and whatever team wins this series will be heading on to the Bucks, which I, you know, I still think is less scary. No than Brogdon too. Reason. That's win- yeah. that, no, that's winnable, man. I, I, you know, on one side of me says, uh, you know, that's the easier of those two teams at the top of the East, but at the same time, those stats are just absurd that they put up this year out scoring teams by over seven points i believe was their differential yeah, they they not, like, i think they went like 24 and 7 against the rest of the teams in the east but anyway before the play, uh, playoffs begin the celtics go all in on this game against the magic that means nothing <laughs> by the time halftime comes around i mean stevens was just intent about finally beating the magic you know, you heard him talking pregame. We got to beat this team. We got to play good, which I get. You know, I like a lot of Stevens' philosophies, but you know, he carried some a little too deep this year, and I think it burnt him with a different kind of team. And man, did he get burnt in that second to last game of the series? Tatum goes down with a shin injury that they knew about. He seems like he's going to be okay, but Marcus Smart goes down. They call it an oblique bruise after the game, which you know, me and me and a guy over at CLNS were talking. We don't know what an oblique bruise was, and it was an oblique tear. He's out for this series next series and we both watched that last game against the Pacers how crucial he was against Bogdanovich I think everybody knows how vital he is for this team I mean what was your reaction when you heard Smart was going to be here playing in this series I think I think I just tweeted like wow in all caps (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that that game in Indy where I mean it, it wasn't technically for home court in this series but I mean we all knew it was uh basically for home court in the series um bogey only took eight shots and he only had three in the first half so it was it wasn't even like smart was well obviously smart did a good job contesting he finished one for eight but like he wouldn't even let him shoot you know he'd fight through the screen before he'd even get the ball and stick right on him not let him get to his spots with the dribbles it's like how are this are the darren collison was at that game too but like they had no chance of creating a good shot with bogey cut off like that and in it, so so they've played four times this year, right? And the Celtics won two of them by 20 plus, and the other two by the other two, the Pacers won one, and the Celtics won in a buzzer beater. So yeah. in the two complete blowouts, Bogey took 17 shots and hit like four or five of them. And in the two close games, he took like 24 shots and hit like 14 of them. So I think that's where that where you're missing smart right there is is if Bogey gets going, the Pacers can score and then play five on five on D. And now they have offense and defense 
Whereas when Smart's in there, there's more transition for the Celtics and the Pacers don't have a good guy to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, when guarded by Jalen Brown this year, Boyan was six for seven from the field. And I, uh, I was talking to John Corrales. He said he thinks maybe Shemi Ojale will start the game on Boyan, but uh, Jalen Brown has not been super successful in that way. So I mean, I think that is where Smart's going to be missed the most is just that one matchup. Yeah, and we're still waiting for Brown to bloom as a defensive player. He he's had his stints against LeBron where he's gotten back down a little bit. When, even though he's had little spurts of success against him, you know, otherwise around the league, like he's still a little too skinny to play that four spot. You know, the two spots a little awkward for him. He's just trying to find his spot defensively in this league. You know, Terry Rozier has been horrific defensively this <laughs> year. Really, in moments, he's been just unimaginably bad and now he's going to finally have a big role on the team but it's not going to be that Kyrie role <laughs> where he's just taking all the shots he's still going to be playing a little complimentary ball I mean that that loss is so interesting because you look at the Celtics lineups this year there's only two positive lineups on the team that didn't have smart in them that played 60 minutes together so I mean every single wow. positive lineup that this team's you know, courted this year, he's been a part of it. The other two were like these Daniel Tice weird lineups that I got to look into because I don't know how that happened. But anyway, I mean, this loss is big. On the other hand, though, do, do the Pacers have enough offense to take advantage of that loss? Because I feel like that's where this team's really challenged. Yeah, they they uh, a lot of their points come from forcing turnovers and things like that. You know, their their half court offense is not particularly good. Uh, and you're right. Everybody's right. Who's saying that's where they lack is a guy who can just put the ball in the basket. And they're absolutely right in that way. Um, the answer is no to give just a binary answer to your question. Uh, that is why I think everybody, including myself is going to pick the Celtics to win this series. However, they have guys. Yeah, <laughs> they have guys who can do it. Uh, which Bojan is one of those guys. Darren Collison is one of those guys. He's been their best clutch shot maker all season long. I think he had two game, two or three game winners for them. And we've seen what Sabonis can do with literally anyone guarding him. Like anyone. Joel Embiid doesn't matter. Like he can score on anybody. Um, so they have guys who can do it. But it's the, you know, it's almost like their Achilles heel of what I said earlier. It's like they replaced Vic with a balanced attack of everybody stepping up a little bit. But now... You know, you can't they don't just feed one guy. So it's like, sure, Sabonis can score all the time, but they have Tyreek Evans shooting and Doug McDermott. Shooting. It's like they they don't fill it up by just going star, star, star or their star. I know they're not actually like league stars. So it, it's almost a pitfall of their own admission of, OK, we're going to let everybody get involved until we have a guy who's scorching. Well, if everybody's getting involved, then you have guys who aren't necessarily as good scoring like Thad Young and, and Wes Matthews this year, like shooting more shots than they maybe should. So. In that way, they don't have the scoring power, and um, everybody's going to have to be hitting shots. You know, the Celtics just did not guard Thad Young, like, outside of the paint at all. Daniel Tice came in the game and just sat his butt under the basket every defensive possession. Yeah, like, I hope we don't see him this series. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I saw Smart playing some key minutes down the stretch, too, against Young, and that's another reason he's so crucial to this team. I mean, honestly, I don't... Through all the struggles that the Celtics faced this year in the 10-10 and 10 start and everything else, if they didn't bring back Smart, and it was really a question last year, he did debate in Celtic circles, do you bring back Smart, do you not? If he wasn't on the team this year, I'm not sure they ever turned it around because he was just so critical to everything they did, shooting 36% from three, you know, which everybody always dreamed of when he finally came into the league. And... He doesn't miss against the Pacers. Shot over 50% <laughs> oh from God, three against the Pacers. That shot year. at the home game toward the end of the year. Oh, that won Tommy the game. That literally won them the game. <laughs> 
between I mean, the two, actually. yeah, the yeah. between the two Irving shots too. Uh, so nice. I mean, I f- I feel like all these games are going to be close. I saw you, you know, see this series going as far as seven games, six or seven. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, the closing minutes of these games are going to be so crucial. Who who are the, who have the Pacers been leaning on in crunch time in terms? Well, of that lineups? that's that's it, right? You know, they they play in Boston. It goes down to the wire. And Kyrie just scores when he wants. And then Thad Young misses the layup, and there you go. Game over. Celtics win. It's like you have to be perfect to match a team like the Celtics who have Tatum, Kyrie, and Horford who can all do stuff in the clutch that are just like almost pressure-proof guys. Where the Pacers, you know, Collison hit, like I just said, game winner against the, the Pelicans, uh, the, the Bulls. I think he had another one. I can't remember who it was against. Um, but other than that, they go to Boyan at the end, and he's notably unclutch. Like they don't, they don't have the greatest crunch time offense they had a quarter against Milwaukee where they scored 11 points in the whole quarter and they had multiple mm-hmm. opportunities to put that game away there. You know, when they slow it down, they're much worse. Like their five on five offense is much worse, especially without Vic being able to get to the rim. So I, I, they like hunt the mismatch on the switch and the Celtics do switch locks. They have a lot of like size guys. So I think that's going to be a lot of what they do in crunch time is early screens, get the Celtics to switch and then, try to pick on the mismatch wherever it may be. But I think you're going to see, if they need points, a lot of Sabonis closing uh, and a lot of different kind of like maybe three-guard lineups with Boyan at the four to try to get as much offense out there as you can because they don't have a, a you know, as good as Collison's been. Like, you know, no one fears Darren Collison in the clutch. You know, you, you have to have as much firepower out there as you can. It seems like the Pacers pretty much go big most of the time with that rotation of big guys there, which is nice for the Celtics because I think they're really at their best when they have that Baines-Horford lineup going, and they'll have the chance to play that a lot in this series. Uh, is there any uh, scenario where you see them switching up, going small a little bit? Uh, maybe, like maybe in that instance where they need offense at the end of the game. Like Turner's a, a fantastic, fantastic like top five defender in the NBA. Although unfortunately, probably the third best his position, so we'll make all defense. But uh, they, they, if they need offense, like Sabonis is going to be in the game, and, and Thad is not necessarily the greatest offensive player, though he is incredibly smart. So maybe he won't be in the game. It's like going small works for them in bursts of offense, but at the same time, matching up with the team going with Horford and Baines features both Sabonis and Turner. And I talked with Corrales yesterday about maybe having Thad at the three, like to really throw wow. stuff off and go huge. Um, <laughs> he's no outside threat at all, but his defense is awesome. He's one of the best perimeter defenders on this team. Yeah. And that uh, would probably pull Marcus Morris into the game, which is really, yes, this is ex- this exactly hours, what uh, John said. That would be awesome. I would love more Marcus Morris in the game. As long as he remains post all-star break, Marcus Morris, uh, <laughs> that would be fantastic for the Pacers. So I think they're, They've been pretty rigid in their rotation of having a five on the floor and a four, quote unquote. Like I feel Sabonis. like they're one of the few teams that has this year. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of how McMillan is with their rigidity, and it works. They won forty eight games, only one less than the Celtics for a reason. Maybe two. Did you guys win fifty by the end, or was it forty nine? Forty nine. Yeah, so, so one, one game less game. than the Celtics. Yeah. So, you know, it works, and especially, you know, without Vic to be able to do that, it works. They only had to throw wonky stuff out there when they were really banged up. Um, but in a series where you have to win, it's not about what's working. It's about what is the best. And if the best is doing something wonky, then they'll have to they'll have to do it. So I don't I don't want to say yes or no to, to going small or big. But if it's if it gives them the best chance to win, I think they have to. I'm so excited for these playoffs to get started. It's been just such a slow ride to the end of the year. I feel oh my like. god! 
April regular season basketball sucks. Uh, yeah, all the load management they started calling it. <laughs> I think they need a new name. I'm not sure about Dude, that. Dude, like one. the Bulls starting five, it's like I've heard of one of these guys. I follow every team. I try to keep up with every player. I don't know who any of these guys are. Before the Pacers and Celtics get going at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and I'm sure everybody's going to be tuning in, the Pacers and Celtics faced off on the lottery balls. <laughs> Did you see that one? On, how was that as a TV event, Tony? We Did had, you, a, we had a great day, and you guys had a terrible day. Oh, my, three, three, I don't know what to call it. Ping pong ball rolls in a row uh, go against the Celtics. Uh, and I guess we got a little bit of a break in Memphis getting eight, but I still feel like they could drop down a spot, and then all of a sudden the Celtics have the ninth overall pick in this draft, which isn't terrible, but a lot of people... Not, what is it, 9, 14, 20, 22 now? Yeah, eight, no, eight, 20, oh, eight. 22. The Kings and, picks in there. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the Kings was 14, yep. Which is that, too bad. Some people thought, I mean, that would have gone to Philadelphia if it was number one. And that was something a lot of people were scared about going in this year. Instead, it's not even close. It's going to the Celtics, and it's going to be a middle-round pick, which, strange enough, Kings were great this year. Fire Dave Yeager. (laughs) I know. I I was thinking the other day, I was like, man, the West was good this year, right? Like eight good teams. Mm -hmm. Now the Lakers are going to try to get better. The Mavs are definitely going to be better. The Kings probably think they're going to be better. It's like the Kings were better than the Lakers. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, who's dropping out of the playoffs if all those teams get better? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, there's one of them, the Kings, because they just can't, can't keep, get out of their own way. So Pacers-Celtics, 1 o'clock on Sunday. I believe Game 2 is on Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday again for the first four games of those series. I think they're going to be tight games. 1 o'clock got, on Easter. Tough. Ooh, I, I got the Celtics in five here, Tony. I just think this is a great matchup for the Seas. It lets them get into those big lineups that they play better in. You know, Smart's missing. I think they can overcome it. You know, I think something to watch out for, too, is that Irving and Roger plus four this year. They've made it work a little bit despite Roger's struggle. So that could be something they roll with. Uh, Go any, for it. Anything else on the Pacers we got to know? Play as much Terry as you want. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right this year. That's Tony East. He is on Twitter at where? At T East NBA. There you go. So Tony East, follow him along for all the Pacers angles on this series. We'll talk to you with Alex on Sunday. That is Havlicek stole the pod. Have a good NBA playoff day. Peace.